0: Like only we do, and then we'll down our fair share of beer from a local brewery. Grading the beer throughout the episode, so pop a cold one on your end, and we'll get busy on ours. This is the state of my sports.
1: That's right, everyone. This is State of My Sports. In this episode 126, we are live from the Hop's Brewing Company and Cafe. Ready to talk some football. Michigan uh, eked out a win heading into their bye week. MSU looked dominant once again uh, with an offensive clinic at Rutgers. Uh, and the Lions found another way to lose uh, once again in Minnesota. With the Red Wings regular season starting on Thursday, we will have our Red Wings season preview. During our Betting hero segment, we will make our picks against the spread, and, of course, we will grade some Michigan beer from Sicily Market. If you are joining us live on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, or Twitch, please let us know. Be part of the conversation with your comments. Let us know what you're drinking, uh, and then throw your, your 0-10 scale out there by at the end of the episode. Before we jump in, I did want to give a quick shout-out to our sponsors that help keep this thing rolling and free for our listeners. The Hobbs Brewing Company & Cafe is the official brewery state of my sports. Sicily Market helps us keep helps us pick out our Michigan beers for each and every episode. Mac Web Design helped us get our website up and running and Betting Hero helps us and you guys get the best promo codes available in the sports betting world. Uh, so please check out all of our sponsors. Let them know that they sent you so they know that you guys are, are listening and their, their support is, is good as well, you know. So um, I'm Sam Walther. with today we got Ryan Walther and nope. Micah Smith here at the Hops I mean I, I like recording it.
2: I really do. We're back. back.
1: Yeah. This yeah. is the first <laughs> time in a while,
2: huh? Yeah, I'm pumped, Man. This is a uh, always a great time. It is. Great great spot to record from. Awesome. It is. We just
1: got to get a little better internet connection. That's that's what we're running into right now. Yeah, uh, how do would do that. You bouncing, want me to go over there and look around? Bouncing in and out. Maybe just yeah, see if that I'll go with go, go, yeah, yeah. it. It says that we're on the Wi-Fi. We should be plugged into the Ethernet. So, I'll be back. Yeah, let me know. Um, but yeah, Mikey, you are back. You were you were gone last back. week. Well, so what were you doing? There's there's some confusion about what was going on because <laughs> Oh, no, we recorded on Monday. That's what we did, wasn't it? But you were watching live, so you said you couldn't uh, record because you were at class.
3: I, yeah, I had class, and apparently I had beers in my hands, and I was caught red-handed. at
1: class, yeah. I mean, what's <laughs> up with that? You had
3: a, a two-hearted in your left
1: hand and a two-hearted in your right hand. Yeah, so you, you know. So you had four-hearted going.
3: Four <laughs> Quattro-hearted. Yeah. Uh, no, I, d- I have a lot of projects going on at home. Life is super busy. I do have class. I have a lot of homework lately. Life is getting very busy, but uh, I'm back, and happy to be back. Yeah. Happy to see you guys, drink beer with you guys, talk sports.
1: Glad to have you back, man. I mean, it's always fun. Like, where we were at last year, we had Lions sucked, which is normal. Well, I guess we weren't even playing football yet at this time last year, maybe. But Michigan oh, yeah. was a rough year. Michigan State
3: was like, well, this we- has
1: been a really easy fall. I don't, like podcast. I don't even like think all our
3: college football teams calendar. were playing at this point, like you said. Yeah, like, I don't know I th- if they were. Or not. When did they start? I think the NFL was, but I think uh, with, Big, Ten, with, Big Ten was not. With Justin Fields yeah. helping out and kind of spearheading with the rest of the Big Ten, I think it got started. I
1: have a feeling we already started though, because Michigan Michigan State was Week Three, right? So this was probably like, well, and that was week Halloween. Three, but
2: that was Halloween. Yeah, so this might have been like the opening weekend yeah, because opening I think weekend it was like thing? the second weekend in October when, when it got started finally. Yeah, man. And it went from like one one week of practice to games.
1: Yeah, but we're like, what, week six now? Are they, Yeah.
2: Can we, we just finished week six. Yeah, can we just all be okay with you know the fact that we're actually playing games we're, and we, the season was not interrupted? So nice,
1: it is so nice. Look at all the, the,
2: the fans in the crowd and stuff at the stadiums. I love it.
1: Yeah, it, it is it is excellent. Um, we got a lot to talk about today. We talk, I mean, a, a lot of football to get get through. So I think we should just move right, right into our beer um, introductions here as quick as possible. It is time to introduce our Michigan beers for this episode, but before we do, I want to remind everyone of our partner, Sicily Annals Market. They are simply the best beer store in West Michigan, located on Lake Michigan Drive, right between Grand Valley State University's main campus and downtown Grand Rapids. Wherever you live in West Michigan, it is worth the short drive for what they have to offer. Whether they know what you want or need some help from their expert staff, Sicily Annals Market is the best place for that. And not only have a massive and up-to-date inventory of the best craft beers from across our great nation, they are individually priced so you can mix and match to build your own six-pack. They obviously have a great selection of craft beer. They also have specialty wines, spirits, ciders, coffee, tea, tobacco, and cigars. Siciliano's Market also has the largest selection of homebrew and winemaking supplies in West Michigan. We love that Siciliano's Market is part of the State of My Sports family, and it is who we visit to help us choose our Michigan beers for each and every episode, so please check them out and let them know that we sent you. All right, so we obviously we're here at the Hops, so we're drinking some of the greatest beer in West Michigan, right? Yep. <laughs> um, Always. Well, Ryan, we're drinking the same thing. You, you want us, or Micah, you have we're the menu, not. so you
2: start us out. We're, we're actually not drinking the same thing. I thought we were. No, Micah, Micah and you are.
1: Oh, Micah and I are drinking the same yeah, thing. Yeah, Micah, here.
2: what are we drinking?
3: Well, tonight we're drinking Peachy McSour, a 5% kettle sour brewed with fresh peach puree. It's a fruity, peachy aroma with moderate tart finish, and it's a refreshing summer sipper, but it's fall, and it tastes really good. It does not need to be summer to enjoy this. I,
2: I think what what's good about that, and I had a sip earlier. I'm not I'm not drinking that formally, I guess, tonight, but my sip earlier showed me that what I appreciated about it is the, the beer is still what is the real flavor of, of yeah. the drink, right? Yep, yep. It's not relying on all of the other fruits and... I love the mixture that you can get with with different things. If you want to get flavor oh, yeah. forward with the with the with with the uh, fruit versus the beer, like you, here's here's your beer option right here. Yeah,
3: the nice thing about this, it doesn't need to be super heavy like flavor forward. It's got a really nice balance of sour. You get a little bit of that that beer on the back end. But uh, I guess we can dive into this later at the end of the episode. There you go. All right, I will go Hello. next. My uh,
2: mic is on. You back?
1: Yeah, I'm back. My mic right. is on too. I
3: thought you were going to get some like food or something. I
2: was going <laughs> to say it's right over here. You, you missed the table of food. I am um, drinking Flight sixty forty one. There's a five percent brewed in honor of DeHop's first daughter Lauren's wedding day. Uh, I, did I say that in a weird way? Very weird. Yeah, I but literally I, like. I literally read it though. That's DeHop's first daughter. Lauren, her wedding day. How about that?
1: Yeah, they brewed that one specifically for her wedding, and they have like their their own cans for it and stuff. Yeah, pretty it's, like, cool. The toast and stuff was all done. Gotta say, I'm, I'm pretty sweet.
2: <laughs> big fan of it right now. It's a German wheat beer with subtle hints of spice and clove, blended with just the right amount of natural blood orange puree for a light, crisp, refreshing brew. So, um, I'll, have to, I'll have to drink this with the the orange in mind, the blood orange flavor in mind, um, because I don't, I'm not. I don't know. I'm not good enough yet to pick up on all those hints.
0: Drinking craft beer, having fun, and talking sports in the state of Michigan. <laughs> You're listening to State of My Sports.
1: I need to just stop worrying about the internet connection and yeah. just record the podcast at this point, right? Just yes, do is that, it. Is that what I need to do. Do it. Uh, I think
2: it's getting better. Whatever you did helped.
1: Did it? Yeah, oh, so, don't, so don't right. worry about it anymore. We're not even going to look at it anymore, right? Um, but anyways, the Detroit Lions, so that's who we're going to start with. We're going to zoom through our, our um, uh, football talk the best that we can. I mean, no reason to go too fast when we can have fun talking about it. we could at um, least spend an hour. On each. Uh, the Lions <laughs> uh, rally wasn't enough as the Minnesota Vikings kicked a game-winning 54-yard field goal to beat the Lions 19-17. The Lions trailed by 10 with just over two minutes remaining before kicking a field goal with 2.34 left. Forced a turnover when Reeves-Maben stripped Madison on the Vikings' 20-yard line to set up a swift touchdown and go-ahead two-point conversion with 37 seconds left remaining. The Vikings went 21 yards, 6 yards, and 19 yards to set up a spike in game-winning kick, uh, like I said, from 54 yards. Goff was 21 of 35 for 203 yards, one fumble, one interception, and was sacked four times. Jamal Williams had 57 yards on 13 carries and 4.4 average. Swift had 51 yards and a touchdown on 11 carries for 4.6 average. St. Brown had 65 yards on seven catches, and Swift had 53 yards through the air. Um, I don't want to continue to beat a dead horse, but at this point we kind of have to talk Goff when he has these type of golf games, and it's not necessarily about um, how bad he is, like not forcing the ball downfield like, like we've, we've talked about several times, but taking care of the football. Like, yeah, if you're this, If you're this conservative of a quarterback and you're not pressing at all and you still aren't taking care of the football, I mean, that,
2: that's just embarrassing. What, what, what's the number right now? Has he fumbled five times in the year? Uh,
1: he, yeah, I actually put this down. He, so he's fumbled... I think I texted it to myself. I don't know if I added it to the notes or not.
2: (laughs) Well, anyways, I think going into this game, it was like four times, and he had lost. Looks like six fumbles. Six fumbles, and he lost like three or four of them. Four, six six fumbles, and four have been lost. Oh my
3: gosh! Right on the sheet, like that. It is on the sheet for sure.
2: Well, look at me. There you go. Killing it. Good prep. I mean, it is right there. Yeah, right. I thought it was going to be. the because It was
1: an afterthought.
2: No, you're right because it's <laughs> not like the upside right now is like a Deshaun Watson or or even like a um, uh, James Winston or something where where you get the high of the highs with the 30 plus touchdowns in the season and, oh. and then mix with the the ultimate lows. It's we're not even talking like that. And I get it. Like this is the first game that is. That his QBR has been lower than ninety, mm-hmm. which is which is pretty impressive. It's like I saw the stats where it was breaking some sort of like record with, or at least tying a record with a new team in the number of games over a ninety QBR. But we're not seeing the difference being made in the game. So I I agree. Like if you're not taking care of the ball and you're also not special with your arm and making those key plays that are making a difference, wins and losses, then I'm not sure what exactly you're giving us. Yeah,
1: I mean, we were we were kind of having this conversation off air before the show, like talking about backup quarterbacks. It's not like it's something you just move on. You can't bring in David Blau and just call it a day. Nope. You can't bring in the – who was who the quarterback that
3: – Tim Boyle.
1: Tim Boyle. Like that's not the answer because Goff is obviously better than these guys, Um, but it's still just – it's. It's disappointing, and I think the combination is really what hurts because he's not taking care of the football, but he's also not pushing, putting the ball downfield like we've talked about. And I, I brought up, uh, I'm going to bring up two the lines reading receiver compared to uh, Justin Jefferson, who was the Vikings' leading receiver. Yeah. because um, it it was pretty eye opening when I when I look at this. So I'm on am on Ross St. Brown versus Justin Jefferson, eight targets each, seven receptions receptions each. St. Brown sixty five yards, Jefferson one hundred and twenty four yards. When you have the same amount of targets, same amount of receptions, and that big of a gap in yards, that's telling you what the quarterback is doing. That's telling you – I mean, yeah, there's routes and stuff that, that come into play. Uh, but, I mean, that right there was, was pretty eye-opening to me because you have a quarterback that's just not not willing to try. And it just sucks – like, just the combination of the two, of not taking care of the football and still not putting putting the pressure on the defense. and yeah. It's just really do, frustrating. Do,
3: do you think quality of receivers has anything to do with it? Because I, I, you're uh, not putting St. Brown and Justin Jefferson as far as no, talent goes, no. like in the same Correct. playing yeah. field.
1: I, I mean, I'm sure that, that plays a role, but at the same time you, you see so many different wide receivers in this league, that some of the best and some of the worst, they go downfield. Uh, going deep is not a wide receiver thing. Going deep is a quarterback thing. Now – Getting separation is a wide receiver thing, and we're not getting any of that from these wide receivers. But it's like,
2: I don't know. Ryan, what do you think? Well, I think think our wide receivers can get separation. I think they have gotten some separation here and there. Um, I think you're right, though. I think one of the bigger issues is that our offense right now is in some sort of state of, like, repair. I don't know, because we've had some injuries. We've got the new quarterback, the new system. Uh Amon Ra Saint Brown is not running the same routes as Justin Jefferson. They're not going downfield yeah. at the same rate, so they're not being asked to do the same thing. So his his the averages aren't telling the whole story, but you're right because they're also running routes that play to the quarterback's strengths. Yeah, exactly. So they're not going to they if they don't think Goff is going to routinely throw the ball 15-17 yards downfield and do it accurately, then they're not going to ask him to do that. They're not going to run those routes. Or if they do run those routes, then it's a clear out route where the uh, the underneath route is the the real number one option and so I think you're seeing a lot of that and I want to say Brown I I liked what I saw out of him he did good stuff it was in a role where they're they're getting him used to or introduced to the offense as we go here and not just uh relying on him to make big plays like Justin Jefferson. Jefferson is obviously being relied upon in the Vikings offense you know in the absence of other key players some other uh, offensive numbers that are worth bringing up. Swift and Williams,
1: uh, numbers aren't gaudy by any means, but the averages of 4.4 and 4.6 yards per carry, I mean, it seems like a continuous thing here with them is their averages are up there, but they're not getting enough touches to kind of get into a rhythm. And I think we were, we were hoping that Swift could kind of become that number one guy and in get into those rhythms. And I'm not saying uh, Williams doesn't deserve the carries that he's getting because I think he's actually been the better running back between the tackles for the most part. I think he's – that bowling ball aspect has been important, especially with the type of offensive line we have that – you know what I mean? Like they can kind of get to that second level, and it's easier to kind of get the four to six-yard chunk instead of the one, two-yard losses, I guess. Um, but I, I, I wanted to compare this to, to the kind of Quentin Berry stat from a long time ago. When he was 25 of 25 – for stolen bases, and I thought yeah. that was one of the worst stats in baseball because how come he, somebody's 25 to 25, but he's only stolen 25 times?
2: Because he was a pinch runner.
1: Yeah, no, no, he was more than that <laughs> on that team, though. He was, but it's like run this guy more.
2: Yeah, run him more, yeah. Yeah,
1: like why aren't these guys being used more? And I, I usually, usually I say the running game, and this has been an argument for, for Stafford for a long time, they didn't have a running game, which didn't open up the passing game and the play action and all that stuff. And I feel like it's the exact opposite right now, is I feel like our running game is actually good, but our quarterback isn't opening up the play action because there's no threat deep. They don't have to worry about deep, period, end of story. You can stack the box even in a passing situation because they're not throwing above the box. Yeah. And I feel like it's just like very frustrating because we finally have a good enough running game to – balance things out but we don't have a good enough passing game yeah. to keep that balance. 100%. And it's the most frustrating thing as a Lions like Lions fans who have been watching for multiple years can understand the irony behind something like that.
2: So I think Swift and Williams are perfect complements to each other and and so far with their stats it line it lines up exactly what I think plays to their strength. So Swift is the bigger play guy that can in the in the open field either run somebody over like we saw him do in the fourth quarter. Like that which that was leveled him. Awesome. That was that was like what brought the team back into ready the game. Yep. Yeah. Ready yeah. to ready to do something. It was a statement in the fourth quarter yeah. when they were down ten points. So that was awesome to see. But he can also make guys miss with the one cut ability, the the speed. Williams is the energy guy that really is phenomenal as seeing the whole early on and playing and following blocks and waiting for that first initial gap to open up when Swift might like dance around a little too long here and there, but but when that was the right decision, then it pays off yeah. big time in yep. the end. So, it's like
1: uh like Abdullah did but he's actually running forward at certain times.
2: I would say more like a Barry Sanders. <laughs> like like Barry Barry used to lose yards more than anybody in football and people some people were frustrated with that. And then he would just hit so many home runs. It's like, what are you going to do? Try to tell him just to, to change the way yeah, he runs. Yeah. Like to not, not to that extreme. I'm not calling Swift Sanders. I thought that's what I heard. No. Is that what you heard Micah.
3: That's <laughs> definitely what he said. All uh, right. Perfect. All right. Just grade me on that later.
2: <laughs> but, but to the point, like, you know, he has that big playability in him and every once in a while it comes at a cost when Williams will maybe not have the end juke or the, the missing the guy at, yards 8, 9, and 10 ability that Swift does, but he gets there more often. Okay. So yeah. it, I think they're really good compliments to each other. The yeah. frustrating part is they should be able to build off this and build their offense around this because they have two studs. But they're not. It's not studs or they're not no, building they're around? No, they're not building around. Well, and that's, and that's the frustrating part. It's like we're, we're not, we, don't, we haven't connected all the dots yet and, and really comes down to finishing in the red zone because I don't know what the stats are at this point. But early on in the games, we have had so many red zone opportunities that we're kicking yeah. field goals with, and we're not getting the to fourteen points. Wasn't well, like the, the, six. the
1: first the first three games; it was like we were one hundred percent on on red zones. Yeah, whether it was a field goal or a touchdown, but it was like we were scoring every time. And then all of a sudden, that ship has sailed. Well, yeah, seems the the first like three multiple the Bears. times. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, that's really frustrating. Now, I do want to talk real quick about the defense. Uh, they allowed eighteen first downs, uh, five of thirteen on third down, one hundred twenty rushing yards, two hundred sixty four passing yards. They got two sacks, one interception, one fumble recovery. I am having a hard time with this because those numbers don't look that great to me with 18 first downs, 5 of 13 on third down. But they allowed 19 points, and one of them was a last-second field goal. I mean, there's something's got to give here with this defense, and I'm not sure I'm buying into the bend and not break theory or – are they just kind of getting lucky with the turnovers and, and bonehead decisions by the, some of the offenses that we're playing? Well, it almost feels like a mirage to me that this defense has figured something out. But when you do what you've done so far this year, or the last three games or whatever, that tells me something else. That tells me that they have figured something out. Like, wh- Where do you feel like this defense is right here, right now?
2: I think there's, they're, they have positional groups that are actually playing pretty well. I think their defensive line is... Good, I really do think they're good the the interior defensive line has been pretty good against the run on the inside, and then their edge rushing has gotten enough pressure here and there it's it's not anything to be to to label like as as a a strength Elite, of the team yeah. or anything like that it's not like the buccaneers when they were in the getting at the right time and you know in the playoffs or anything like that um they have enough athletes to plug in here and there to, you know, like Charles Harris. Like Harris is getting pressure when he gets in the game. He's not an every down guy, but in his role, he's doing it. He's doing a pretty good job. Yeah. And I think they have enough of those role players on the defensive line where they're actually getting good play out of them, like good production. Same thing out of linebackers. You know, we've seen the change with the middle linebacker from uh, you got Jamie Collins, yeah, Jamie Collins, and they've and they've gone towards Derek Barnes, and. I'm just telling you. I think the athleticism of Barnes, the athleticism of Barnes, has actually played a major role in this defense. They're able to spread out a little bit more, and, they, and the linebackers are covering more ground. And I think it's had more of an impact on like Alex Anzalone. He's gotten, he's looked a lot better. He's looks a lot better, and he's doing less. He's more focused on what he does well, and he's his speed is his advantage, and he's actually taken advantage of of his strengths. Because he knows Derek Barnes is there, he's not covering for him. Yep. So that that linebacker core is actually played a lot better. Because speed, you're saying? Yes, exactly.
1: Um, I think it, I think Derek Barnes had a, a CUDA game, where he actually played pretty well, but then he has that one or two plays that he just he got embarrassed or he missed a tackle or something like that, and people are going to be like, "Oh, he had a bad game," because the bad plays yeah. were exposed big time. Um, and yet
2: if you look at any good team and any. Pro Bowl caliber player, they have those same plays every single game. You know why? Because it's hard to play defense. Mm-hmm. And and you're going to get juked by really good freak athletic you know, offensive in players in space. Yeah, you you just will. Yep. And so every single time, Lions fans will, will come down on these guys for missing a, an Easy tack, quote unquote, easy tackle. Yeah. When it's a very challenging thing, and it happens to literally every Pro Bowl player and every team in the league, and we just we just have it highlighted. You know, ours is like just shines bright because it's the Lions.
1: Yep. Uh, Quintez Cephas, uh, broken collarbone, probably out the f- rest of the year. Sounds like. And Rag did have surgery on his turf toe. He's out for the rest of the year. It sucks to see these 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 teams or these players not develop. I mean. It would have been a big year for Ragno. He's come He got the new contract, and now that's done. We needed Quintes Cephas to really see what we have in this guy because whether, he's definitely not a number one wide receiver in this league, but can he be a number, one or, or number two or three on a, on a good team? That's what we needed to learn, and I don't think we can learn that now because of this injury that sucks. Yeah. Um, that's just adding on to all the other injuries that, that this team has faced so That was far. on his
2: big play too, right? Yeah,
1: it was. Uh, so that that really sucks. But I mean, I'm not saying that's why we're losing or anything because we're just a really bad team. But these injuries, it, it, like this year was all about developing and learning what you have in some key positions right now are starting to, I mean, we, we can't learn anything.
2: And that really sucks. Yeah, we're trying to figure out wide receiver. We're trying to figure out defensive back, and, and then, both positions. And we already groups. ran into the
1: cornerback injuries. Yeah, uh, we went through that already, and it's just it's frustrating. And I I really want to see what these guys can do. Romeo Okwara, um, yeah, I mean. yeah. Um, and then uh, Decker. It sounds like will be practicing tomorrow, Wednesday, for for people that are listening um, live, uh, but. We'll see I, I'm excited to see what that's going, but without rag now like I feel like it was like a three piece thing that we were excited to see we want to see the guy in the center, obviously and our tackles just work together and then our guards are actually playing pretty well uh, yeah, they Jonah really are. Jackson and, and Vitai, you haven't noticed them a whole lot, which is a good thing for for guards. Uh, I would have been really cool to see the full unit and see how they can kind of work together um, but uh, it is what it is I guess we got to deal with that. Last thing that I want to bring up, going back to kind of the game that we uh, just had with the uh, Vikings, I don't know if you guys saw Dan Campbell's press conference afterwards or heard about it. I tried pulling it up. We're not getting good connection on, on uh, the stuff to, to pull it up. But him getting emotional, um, you don't see that very often. Uh, what do you guys think of that? you guys have any thoughts of a coach getting emotional about a loss?
3: I've never seen a coach get that emotional. I mean, I've seen coaches' emotions emerge, but nothing like that. What do you think I'd, about it? I didn't really get a chance to listen to the whole thing, but I mean, in, in a way, you you feel bad for him because he feel like, he feels like he's got his team doing what they can, and they they keep falling short in a lot of different ways. That's upsetting not only to him but to his his team his teammates feel the same way mm. I, I don't know exactly what was said so if you guys could expand upon it
2: well I, I i actually really like what he's what he's doing because there's no secret that this guy's emotional there's no secret that he loves what he's doing he's passionate that's been from day one he's had all these press conferences with the quotable you know stuff that he's doing wearing a helmet all this stuff biting kneecaps he's emotional He he's connected to the city at this point he's connected to his team he's proud of his team you can see it like the the fight that that they've been coming back in the fourth quarter like that's not a normal thing for a bad team to do to be running over guys in the fourth quarter like we've already talked about with swift that's not a normal thing you know that that's not for a a guy who's just playing for a paycheck would do that he'd be jumping out of bounds and being like all right i want to save my body Yeah. yeah like they're out there busting their butt and doing what he's preaching and meanwhile, they're losing. So to have the Ravens game where they just lose from a game, yeah, just you know, we all know what just happened. But like NFL record, losing the game, the the bounce could have gone either way. And then to turn it around, like let's not discount that this was a fifty-five, right? 54? Fifty-four, yeah, fifty-four-yard field goal. A few years ago, that was a very long field goal. I know it doesn't feel when like he it right he missed now. a forty-nine-yard field goal right before that. Short. Short. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and and to just. I mean, look at the, what happened in the Packers game. Like, we're, 54 yards is not a gimme. So to lose in 66-yard fashion and then follow it up with 54-yard fashion, like, that hurts, man. And it it's does. not It's not like they're playing the best football, but they grinded. They got to the point where they, they went for two-point conversion. They got, got the lead. These are not tie games that they're losing with a kick. We see it's that leads. very, very often. These are it's leads. Wins. It's yes, wins. Yes. Yeah. This is the difference between a win and a loss at that moment with two three seconds left and we're getting the raw end of the deal and and that's why he's emotional about it. what do you think players think about a coach getting emotional
1: like i think inside the locker room they understand it but like from a distance if i were let's say a pending free agent next year do i like that a coach is getting emotional or is that kind of like a sign of weakness i feel like people kind of go back and forth i'm more on the side of you guys know me I'm an emotional rack like I can't control my emotions so like obviously I'm going to try to defend the guy that gets emotional but I get the the sign of a weakness especially in a, a room full of men you know what I nah, mean like bull crap no you don't think so you don't think no. that's a good argument
3: no nope. well I think Cause some an-
1: people are saying like that could be a sign of weakness and I, steer people away I, I disagree I but. think
3: the majority of players in any given locker room are that emotional yeah. Whether they show it or not, that's a different story. And they that's know their opinion. coach.
2: And they know their coach. So they know his character at this point. So if he is genuine, even to the press, I think that buys a lot of credit in the locker room with those players. I think I think that's important, and he has had their back. He's saying, no, I'm proud of my guys. I'm proud yeah. of the way they're playing, and that's why I'm so emotional about this. And that's somebody that if you believe in the coaching staff and the path forward – with the organization that he's been preaching, then that's something that free agents, I think, will will flock to. I
1: think you said the perfect word. They're genuine. He, there's nothing fake about this guy. No, we just had one of the fakest coaches of all time. He was fake tough. He was fake nice. He was fake everything, and he didn't even he would he, he didn't even know who he was. No, you're and right. I feel like that's what we were running into here. He thought he was Bill Belichick. Dan Campbell is not fake. He is raw. He is odd. He he's honest. all of the, he yeah, and I think that right there is is what I want to work. It's never worked in the NFL, to be honest with you. Like there, that is not the prototypical championship winning quarterback or sorry head head coach in the NFL or quarterback or quarterback. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean I I'm okay with it. I really am. Yeah. I don't I don't think he's doing anything that's that's hurting. No. The organization. No. You know what I mean? Um, but. Okay,
3: so, so loss aside with all the ebbs and flows of the last few games, this last game, what's your kneecap rating?
2: They're biting kneecaps.
1: They're yeah. biting kneecaps. I thought this was their highest-rated kneecap game personally. Actually, the Ravens was up Ravens, there. Ravens, yeah.
2: Um, yeah, they're, they're, they're competing. They're competing, and I appreciate what they're doing. Right. They're not the better team. I don't know if they're going to be the better team all year on, on the field when they go out there. I don't, think they're, I don't think they're as terrible as people might think, but they're not giving up. They're doing exactly what he preached from day one. They're, they're following that script to a T, and I think that's, that means that he's got the locker room. He's not losing these guys. There might be some, some guys here and there that they're learning something about and it might move on from eventually, but 7-5. Love it. <laughs> there you go. Ryan? Huh? What was your kneecap rating? Oh, got it. Oh, I didn't even realize we were We do grating. have a couple
1: comments, but I can't. So, Kerry said, there are men crying on the sidelines all the time. At least he's real. That's a good point. There are people crying on the sidelines constantly. That happens a lot more than people even realize are willing to talk
2: about. Well, they give their bodies, their lives for you know, their teammates and their team. So, that's why you get emotional because your team, collectively, you guys just lost. And so, Dan Campbell's bought in. I think the team follows suit.
0: Fitzcraft Beer in Michigan sports. We may not be the authority, but we love both like a fat kid loves cake. Hot, hot! This is state of my sports. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, Michigan State Spartans. Uh, big play offense continues with a 31-13 win over the now three and three Rutgers Scarlet Knights. The big plays were, again, the story. Naylor had three touchdowns in the first half with two at 63 yards and a 65-yard touchdown as well. And then Walker added a 94-yard touchdown run in the third quarter. The defense allowed a touchdown on Rutgers' first drive but then held them uh, to two field goals in the second quarter and shut them out in the second half. MSU had 591 total yards to Rutgers, 377. Thorne, 16-27, to 340, three touchdowns, one interception. Naylor... Five catches, 221, three touchdowns. And Kenneth Walker, 223 yards on 28 carries for an eight yard average in that 94 yard touchdown run. I think the big plays are are the story of this this offense right now. Um, They can kind of slow down at times, but man, when they just, they're hitting all of these plays. They're hitting the plays that nobody else in this country are hitting right now, I feel like. And it's very, very impressive. When you get that ninety four yard touchdown run, you're getting multiple sixty yard touchdown passes every single game, it seems like. it would just happened to be Jalen Naylor in the first half this week. But man, undefeated right now and
2: and they're they are rolling. Um special teams too. I mean, before this game, there were yeah. two two straight games before this well, one with punt return for yeah, touchdowns. I think, I
1: think I heard it was like the first one since ninety four. Yeah. And then it was back to back games or something like that. Yeah. Absolutely insane. Um you know I I don't want to say that the big plays are bailing them out at all because that, that's very unfair because who knows if these big plays aren't hitting what it turns into, you know what I mean? But, like, do you, are, are you concerned at all when they start playing true blue, strong defenses, if they're, those big plays aren't connecting like, like it was in Nebraska? Can it slow this offense down, or do they have just too many off, or too many weapons right now?
2: I, I think Nebraska is the asterisk here. Like, that's, that's the, um, what would you call it, like the outlier, I guess? Yeah, yeah. Um, this this offense is good. So yes, it has big playability, but it also is just dangerous. It's good in so many different fronts. The reason why these deep passes are available is because Kenneth Walker is so good as a runner. So they have to stack the box.
1: Do you think he's a legitimate shot at a Heisman candidate right now?
2: Absolutely. If I mean, if they if he they continues all to they all they have to do is keep winning, up, up, winning and upsetting big time teams. If they beat Michigan, if they go in and, and beat Ohio State, and they do what you know run run the field or, or have one loss or something, and he's one of the main reasons why, and he keeps playing like he is, absolutely, 100%. He's top three right off the, like, guaranteed yeah. so far. Uh, but, but you know, Jaden Reed, another big play guy, and, and they have more weapons behind him. They really do. Jordan Simmons is a capable backup running back. He's, he's got a lot of explosive ability, and then their third wide receiver is escaping my mind right now, but also very, very dangerous down the field. So, I think this was actually one of Peyton Thorne's worst games of the season, most inconsistent games of the season. It yeah. just shows you he's one throw away with these weapons. He's the one throw away of, of doing something special. And, man, he's, he's so smooth and good on those deep balls. He does not overthrow his wide receiver very often, and it's a, it's a great trait to have.
1: What are the, the Michigan State's biggest flaws, in your opinion?
2: I think offensive line is a big question mark against a really stout defensive line. I think they were exposed in Nebraska, against Nebraska. Yep, and so a, a really good pass rush. We'll see what Peyton Thorne can do on the on the run all the time. Yep, um, their defense has some holes. Their run defense, especially, uh, yeah. might might not be so stout in the middle. Their pass rush. I think their pass rush is underrated personally. Their pass rush is is is. is they're gr- they can grind it out. Yeah. Like, they're good enough. Panashuk is not an ideal pass rusher, but you never want to go head-to-head against them one-on-one. Mm-hmm. So, and, and their whole team is made up of those guys. Do you so, think their cornerbacks are are, are an issue? I, I keep oh, hearing yeah. that. Yeah, they are. You think that's one of their biggest falls? Yeah, they are, but they're big Henderson. play guys. Henderson, yeah. Henderson
1: can can kind of... Make up for that a little bit.
2: Yeah, it's going to be an interesting matchup because the weakness of uh, Michigan State with their cornerbacks is actually a weakness of Michigan with their wide receivers. So not to get too ahead of ourselves, I think we're going to, have, so some, I know, we're going to have some interesting games coming up here. Um, and I, I don't think Michigan State's defense is a great strength of theirs just as a whole. But, again, we've talked about it with their playmakers. They have big play guys on the defensive side too that might bail them out here and there on the defensive end. Their offense is stacked. I, I don't, I'm not worried about their offense. I think they can score on any defense. Mm-hmm. Um, but their defense might get exposed here and there. And let's not forget, this is a Rutgers team that gave Michigan a scare. Yep. This is a Rutgers team, Rutgers team that is very, very well coached. And we, we saw them get exposed a little bit with Ohio State. And what did we talk about? That Michigan State saw what what Ohio State did would match that and maybe not quite to the level Ohio State did and that's exactly the playbook that yeah. we saw, right? The big plays, the passing ability, the the deep passes over the over the, you know, cornerbacks and everything. Like it looked exactly like Ohio State beat them, just maybe not so high powered. Yeah,
1: I think I think Walker. Go- going back to Walker here, he's 100% a Heisman. So I actually looked up the odds. He's, he has the fourth best odds at plus 1,200. And he's the best non-quarterback odds currently, which, I mean, that that's, that's saying a whole yep. lot. You? Um, are you concerned at all about the, the amount of work that they're putting on this guy? I feel like that's going to be an interesting thing because you look back against Indiana, 29 carries, uh, Western Kentucky, 24, Nebraska, 19, Miami, 27. It's a lot of work for one guy. And you're not seeing, uh, I think, was it Simmons that you brought up as, as like the, the backup running yeah. back, right? He's not getting a whole lot. Nope. When do they, like, when is enough enough? Like, is that a concern at all? Or is it basically you ride this guy because you have him one year and you've let him figure it out and the rest will take care of itself? 100%. Like, you, there's no reason to, to you scale ride the back. Horse. New.
2: You ride the horse, baby.
1: I mean, when you see 24 carries against Western Kentucky, I'm like, did he really need that?
2: No, I was really actually, need that many touches? I was actually calling for <laughs> him not to, but I think they know what they have in him. They, they have somebody to also promote what they're doing at Michigan That's State. That's a great point. That R- is a recruits. really, really
1: good point right there. Is and, and not only like like future recruits, but transfer. Look what we did with a transfer running back out of that. Where, where was he at? Wake Forest, SEC? Yeah.
2: Is,
3: mm-hmm. that, is
1: Wake Forest SEC?
3: Yeah. No, ACC. 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 Yep.
1: Look what we brought in and Heisman Candidate. Yep through week six and he's going to be probably for, for more
2: like he, people are talking about this guy and that's a good thing for Mel Tucker and hundred percent. You look at any ranking, he is number one in the running back rankings and that's, that's pro scouting. That's, you know, numbers Heisman. And that's a big tribute to this coaching staff and the offense that they've put together around a new coaching system. And that's something to, you know, promote again, that's something to put out there and tell everybody like, Hey, you know, Waving a flag, come to us because we're going to do something with you.
1: Yeah, and you're not doing it in a gimmicky offense. You're not doing it in a uh, conference that just doesn't have the, the the defensive caliber players and that the NFL doesn't have. Like, this is a Big Big Ten schedule. And young Whether quarterback. Whether it's some of the best, it might not be some of the better teams of the Big Ten yet, but he has everything ahead of him to prove himself, and it's perfect for Michigan State. And that's actually a really good point. Like, I was nervous about the – the amount of tread that you're putting on him because it is a a long season especially in the big 10 but man use it use it while you have it
2: yeah i'd be more worried if he was 25 or 26 these are college guys they bounce back yeah yeah i
3: mean heck he might be asking for that type of resume because when he leaves for the nfl he's gonna talk to scouts and go look at what i did yeah yep oh yeah you're right and he doesn't have a lot of Tread off yeah. the tires it's just
2: one until year. this point. Yes. Yeah, that's
1: a really good point. Um, I don't really want to dig too much into it. I mean, they, they had a great game, a great win. They're one game away from taking care of business, right? That's really the, the big thing right here that we're all focused on here in the state of Michigan is get to that 7-0. Uh, sounds like Panix is still out. He's week to week, which I'm sure he's still going to be out this week. Does Indiana scare you at all for this Michigan State game?
2: No. Not I, me. I don't me either. No, nope, not me. And it's a <laughs> really weird
1: feeling not being – like not saying it could be a trap game. The way Mel Tucker coaches, the way that this coaching staff's working, the way that this offense is working, they, they, they don't care about who they're playing
2: against. Yeah, they're not, they're no. not, they're over, not overlooking yeah, this team.
1: And, and I think that's a great thing that Mel Tucker's bringing in is it's – your job is not done until – the season's over. You know what I mean? Like, a lot of teams will look past their opponents. And they, this is a perfect example of a D'Antonio team would be looking past, and I, I don't, a previous Michigan State team, whether it was D'Antonio or before, they'd be looking past their opponent and focusing on Michigan already. They're not. And I feel like last week against Rutgers could have fought that or felt that same way, and they just went out and, and proved it. And I think they're a well-coached team, and there's 0% chance that they're going to overlook Indiana, and they're going to be ready for them, and they're
2: the better team. Yeah. Good luck stopping Walker and Naylor and Reed, <laughs> Reed. and Peyton Thorn. Yeah. Like, good luck stopping all those guys. You just can't do it. Yeah. And you're and, not and, gonna you're it, not gonna match them
1: without Penix. Like, I'm not worried about the offense exposing this defense at all. I think this defense what this defense does well is they're uh, responsible. I would say is the best thing yeah. that they, they do, and they're, not, they're, they're going to be ready, and they're going to be prepared. Um, I think they're going to take care of business. We'll get into Michigan. Um, if they're going to take care of business next week in their, their game or final game before the matchup. Um, but, man, I'm, I'm just so excited for the state of Michigan. I mean, this is awesome. They're both in the top ten. The Big Ten has what? What are the rankings right now? So it's Iowa's at two. Is that correct? Yep. yep. Uh, Ohio State is at five?
2: I actually don't know the rankings, but Ohio State's in there. So we have, I, I think it's
1: four teams or maybe
2: five teams from the same division. Iowa, Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State. State, and Penn State still in the top ten. All in oh the yeah. top ten. Yeah, and Same and division. Four of those are in the division.
3: <laughs> oh, I
1: thought
2: all That's of them were in hilarious. the division. Iowa's in the other one. Oh, you're right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But five of the ten teams are big Nuts. ten teams. All right.
3: Big ten in the top ten. Number two, Iowa. Number six Ohio State, number seven Penn State, Michigan at eight, Michigan State at ten.
2: Boy. So six, seven, eight, ten. <laughs> this is this is crazy. Two. Who who's two, yeah. who's
1: nine? Florida? Oregon. Oregon. All right. Man. What is this matchup gonna be for Michigan State? It's well, like this could be, one, well, of the be-, be. Like one of the best matchups that we've like ranking wise, I would say in a v- Very long time, if not ever.
3: Well, they said it. It was like 1960-something.
2: Well, if you look at the offense right now, Michigan State's offense, we've talked about it, they're they're just clicking all around. They're they're so dangerous. Michigan's defense is stacked. So the the strengths and weaknesses of both teams are so interesting to look at. Yeah,
3: And Alabama's not number one. Cannot
1: wait to get into that matchup.
0: Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch. State of my sports.
1: <laughs> I got both of you now. Thank you. <laughs> uh, Michigan, we're cruising. We are cruising right through our, our football talk. Good job, Which
2: guys. Which gives me more time to talk Red Wings. Yeah, that's I'm, the, I'm that's the that. goal here is we want to talk about cider.
1: Yes. Apple cider.
3: Apple? Yeah.
1: Uh, Michigan, <laughs> we do got to talk Michigan quick, and we're gonna try to keep this short. This is the this is the real challenge for us, you know. Uh, Michigan had a thrilling 32 to 29 win at the now three and four Nebraska Cornhuskers, the after, best three and four team in the nation <laughs> of all time. Yep. Uh, after a 13 point second quarter, Michigan took a 13 point lead into halftime. Before Nebraska outscored Michigan 22 to six in the third quarter to take a three point lead into the fourth, where Michigan bounced back and won the fourth quarter 13-7, to including a 31-yard field goal to tie the game with 3.05 left. Hawkins forced a fumble that would have been a first and 10 from the 45 with a minute 50 remaining, and they got the go-ahead 39-yard field goal with the 100, 128 seconds left. Nope. <laughs> a minute 28 <laughs> seconds remaining and sealed the deal by forcing a turnover <laughs> on downs. Cade, 22 of 38, 2 of 55, uh, one interception, Baldwin, six catches for 64. Sanders still, two catches, 52. Uh, the running game, I, I think that's one thing we got to talk about here with, with Michigan is Haskins, 123 yards on 21 attempts, 5.9 average, two touchdowns in that leap. That, that run was sick. Unreal. Uh, Corum, 89 yards on 13 attempts, 6.8 average, one touchdown. Um, defensively, Brad Hawkins, the four tackles, huge stop on fourth and two on Nebraska's first drive and a clutch strip recovery for 19 yards uh, to set up the game-winning field goal. Um, where do you guys want to start with this one?
2: I, can we just start with like how crazy this game really was and how, emo- this, how emotional it was? This was uh, one of – Emotionally draining? I was exhausted by the end of the day. <laughs> when like, you were running uh, up walls and stuff. <laughs> that was
3: My body woke up the next day feeling like crap physically.
2: <laughs> yeah, it wasn't even a hangover. It was just no. like – I'm just emotionally drained. Yeah, I woke up the same way, but I think I moved a piano the day before, so I was just <laughs> yeah that, physically ah, drained.
1: That's one that 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 got me too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but I uh, this this was a,
2: a what a I, game.
1: Re- I rewatched the game. Michigan deserved a
2: better end score because I think that they were by far the better team. Yeah. Uh, what do you mean by that? Because. That game, like, yeah, they, they were up at halftime. They they put up a, a zero, the a donut. Thir-
1: I think the 13 – so to start with the first half. The 13-0 yeah. to zero at the first half was underwhelming because Michigan scored, I think, three touchdowns <laughs> in that one drive that got – that, you guys remember that drive? Oh, it was just – It was like oh, yeah. challenge after switching like everything. was like everything. Yep. Hour, was an hour like, and a half. That the right there I think is what drained me. But I think they scored two touchdowns on that, that specific drive uh. that got called back. <laughs> and right, rightfully so. The calls were, were correct. correct. Yep. But it's still like that's how close – And I think they were inside the five twice that they ended with field goals. That's disappointing. And I think going back to the week before – or was it two weeks before – when they, when they played Wisconsin, yes. they felt the exact same way, is they left the door open early when they shouldn't have, and that's very concerning. Now, yeah, that has a lot to do with Michigan, but that, that's where I'm like, start sealing the deal, start getting a better quarterback in. No, and you're absolutely like, right. Otherwise, if you can't take advantage of these points when they're there, a, good football teams will take advantage and kill you. And Bury you when you're down. We saw it against Ohio State a couple years ago. Things were rolling. The second you don't capitalize, the floodgates open, and you know what it hits the fan. And it looked like that that was going to happen here. And that was the one thing that I think I want to take out of this Michigan game is Michigan responded well when everything was against them. The crowd was against them. Uh, the momentum was against them. They responded well. And I think Cade actually led a pretty good drive to change that feeling. But it was still a disappointing game. Just, I don't want to say disappointing. game. No, you're right. It, you, you know what I'm saying. It, yeah,
2: you got to get off to a good start, and you got to capitalize early on in the game. So we have not seen that. And it's been – I I think it's been almost every single week this this season where Michigan is getting off to these slow starts, leaving points on the field, not doing what they need to do early on, and then eventually they finish, they make the plays, they get there, they've got talent, they've got you know, skill, their, their play calling comes around and all that. But we cannot afford to do that against an Iowa. We cannot afford to do that against Ohio State, Michigan State. even Michigan State, you know, Penn, State, Penn like State. These teams are too good to not capitalize on points every drive, not just the beginning drives, but you have to do it when the opportunity is there. And, and it, it's becoming unacceptable Because we have to react. We have to make a change to something rather than just repeating these first tasks over and And, over and and over. And
1: I think the scary thing is, is like even on some of the drives that we do get a touchdown on is we're converting on fourth downs multiple times. I don't think, I don't think we actually did in, in this game, but previous games we've been aggressive and picking up fourth and twos, fourth and ones on our side of the field to keep drives alive. And then their side of the field, instead of kicking field goals, we're doing that to get the seven points multiple times, and then there are times that we're not doing that and we're kicking the field goals. And it's like there are too many times that we shouldn't have gotten touchdowns and we did because we're going for it and we're aggressive. That won't happen against good football teams that we want to be competing with. You I, know what I mean?
3: Yeah. So I don't understand where where the disconnect is when we're actually being successful on fourth downs when it matters most, when we need those 2 yards, 3 yards. But then when we need 2 or 3 yards to get into the end zone, why do we lack I, I don't know if it's creativity or we're overthinking it or we're being too simple, but it the the play calling, I'm not I'm not trying to bail out the execution on yeah. on the offense for the players, but the play calling seems to kind of be tossed out the window for one reason or another and when when we don't capitalize and we settle for a field goal, something, something feels completely disconnected, discombobulated. It, it doesn't feel right.
1: My, my theory is they are keeping the ball in the hands of the people that they trust, and that's the running backs. They completely trust the running backs. They, can, they trust the offense line. Based on what I'm seeing, they don't even trust McNamara. McNamara doesn't even trust McNamara at this point. And I think that's the, the moral of, of the conversation that we're going to have to get into is – do we make that change? That seems to be the easy change. That seems to be the change that should be made. All I mean, And it's not even about the J.J. McCarthy train right now. It's about you see a quarterback that doesn't seem to have a lot of confidence in himself. You see a quarterback that's um, I, I, just waiting for the, the rug to be pulled out from under him, the job to be taken away from him. You can't have a quarterback playing in fear. He seems to be playing in fear of losing his job. And I think it's kind of that golf thing. I mean, uh, these, are pretty, Mac- these are pretty
2: similar numbers to what Golf would have put up, you know.
1: McNamara's yeah. taking care of the football better than than Golf, obviously, but it's still, it's still. I think the issue with this offense.
2: Yeah, you know his numbers: twenty-two of thirty-eight, two hundred fifty-five yards, zero touchdowns, one interception. It just screams. You know, okay, so. I guess the first the first credit that we can give him is this is the first game that he's actually thrown the ball like 38 attempts. This is the first time time that we have relied on the passing game to open up our running game. We didn't see our running game open up until later in the second half. Yep, with the big run by Haskins, Corum came alive, scored the touchdown. Um, so some of that has to do with Cade moving the offense along the way, and then the, the touchdowns came when. You know, we were we were close to the goal, goal line already. So I think he played a little bit better in some of those drives, and we might give him credit. But this is also college football where stats are usually up in the absurd type of numbers, like closer to video game numbers than yeah. than the NFL. So it should not be a struggle to, to throw for one touchdown. It should not be impressive to get 22 completions and 255 yards. But that's where we're at with him. I think we're all on the same page. The real question is whether JJ's ready mentally yep. like pre-snap. You know, if he can process the game where he knows, you know, this ex, you know, guy is lined up inside of the left tackle which means that they're going to attack this way and we have might have a a, a better shot of getting around that guy versus maybe the the cutback and he can move his guys or like you know, explain that kind of defensive coverage to the rest of the team. That's the leadership that that Cade I think brings. Not necessarily talent and execution, yeah. but at least like recognition and understanding. And if K, if JJ is not there, then that's a tough switch to make. Then you yeah. got to still have these bring him in for one or two plays at a time mentality with JJ. If he is there, then I, I, I will. I, we've talked about it. I will say it again. I do not want to get to the point where we lose a game with Cade in order to make the change. Yep. I want to make the change before we throw a game away.
1: Yep, I, I agree. And we should point out that, I mean, they brought in Cade for one of the most important plays of that game. I think it was third and four. Is that is that right? Uh, the final drive. Uh, when we were looking to take the lead, they brought him in for a run option or run pass option type play, and he fell, luckily hit the ground and before he fumbled the football.
2: Yeah, he fumbled because of the ground. But yeah.
1: Yeah, but, like, I mean, it was still ugly. It was still the... He looked uncomfortable, and he looked nervous. And I thought that was interesting that, first of all, that they brought him in for the most important play of the game because if you get that first down, that's game over. You get in the end zone, uh, you're not playing for the field goal at that point. And they brought him in, and and he failed. Um, But I think that we're ready to make – we're, as fans – Ready to take that risk for the the reward that
2: we think we could get with with him? Isn't it a luxury just being undefeated? And we're talking about we're complaining I know. about our and, quarterback. And
1: it, and it sucks, man, because you hear like state fans and and you listen to sports talk and stuff, and people are like, "Well, here's Michigan, always looking to the backup quarterback again, not happy with their six and zero start, and blah 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 blah." It's like. This one feels different. It's well, not, if it looks like <laughs> Peyton
2: Thorne, we wouldn't be <laughs> yeah, worried <exactly>. about it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That, that was
1: one thing I was listening to Mike Valani on ninety seven on the ticket, and he's like uh, trying to compare McNamara and, and Peyton Thorn. I'm like, no, you guys have the young guy. You already are. You started the next guy. You started the younger guy that was the future as well. We're not that. We're we're taking the comfortable route. So that's where the difference is. It's not necessarily Cade. We're like you know what I mean? Like if if they started. Uh, Anthony Russo, and, they're, and he was playing like uh, Cade, they'd be calling for Peyton Thorne. It, it's just natural, and I think it's fair. Um, it sucks that it's just the stereotypical Michigan fan thing, but that's where we're at, and I think it's fair that we're not happy with it. And it's not necessarily that we think J.J.'s a Heisman candidate if he was playing the whole season, anything like that. It's just he is – the upside is better. And college football is all about the upside, when it comes to quarterbacks. You don't win championships playing it safe. And I think even you go back a couple years ago with, with Tua, when they made the change to Tua, uh, when Clemson made the train to Trevor, change to Trevor Lawrence, they brought in the upside guys to win themselves a national championship. And that's, and I'm not saying, again, I'm not saying that's what Michigan Good needs point. to do to win a national yeah. championship.
2: I'm saying that's what teams do. Well, those guys could make the, they could make every throw that they needed to make. And what we're seeing right now is a lack of ability from Cade McNamara to make the throws to the sideline to make the the right read over the middle over the linebacker in front of the safety. He's not able to make those two-dimensional looks or or the third option type of look. So he's he's it's overloaded yeah. in his mind. He's not processing the game like we think he should be able to, and JJ has proven that at the high school level. Which Obviously. I'm sure Cade did too, right? Well he did. He, he <laughs> yeah. broke every record in Nevada, you know, Cade. But yeah. JJ I, th- I think there's a difference when you go to a big, big school like IMG and you you win the national championship. Like that's that's what they just yep. did last year. So I think with the throws we've seen him make, he has more ability in his arm than Cade. We know that. We he has more ability in his legs than Cade. So again, this this comes down to can he process the game mentally according to what we expect a Michigan quarterback to do. And if the answer is the coaches do not have the confidence in him to process that, which they should know at this point in practices, then I support playing Cade because he has led this team to an undefeated record so far. They haven't played the hardest teams in the world, but he's gotten the job done. I don't want to lose the game because we throw a true freshman in there and he throws four four interceptions because he's trying to do too much. I don't want that either. So this is a very delicate coaching decision right now, and, and it's important for Harbaugh and to rely on all of the, the talented staff that he has to make this right decision. Do you think
1: uh, a change gets made during the bye?
2: What were we going to say before that question, though, because you, you wanted to chime in.
3: Uh, couldn't tell you. Oh, okay, go ahead. Lost it. <laughs> but uh, I, I don't know if they make that change. I know, I know that I don't envy what the coaches are going through because they have a lot riding right now. They have a lot of happy fans that can get real angry real quick at the drop of a hat. Yep. And quite honestly, when you look at it, they're six and zero. Cade's only thrown one pick, and it wasn't. I mean, a pick's bad. It wasn't really.
1: It was a. It was a game-changing was,
2: pick when it happened too. Yeah, it was ugly, but it, it, was, it was also a really his, bad throw. his wide receiver jumped to the opposite side, like he was no, expecting no, 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 no. Him to come no, to the middle. No, he
1: lost the safety. He did not see the safety, and he absolutely threw it. it was to a tight end. It was a really bad throw.
3: Nonetheless, I. It would be hard for me to make a change. It
1: was over the middle, yeah.
3: In the bye week. The opposite way. I I don't know. I don't even have an answer for you. If they're going to, probably not. I think you're going to
2: see, if they're considering this, you're going to see a major uptick in reps for JJ against Northwestern. I was going to get into more of the game,
1: but I I don't think we need to at this point. No,
2: nope.
0: Red Wings to Michigan State. We're talking about it. This is state of my sports.
2: Let me get to talk some Red Wings. <laughs> Wait, are we done with
1: Michigan? We are. Oh, okay. Before we get into the main topic of episode 126, I want to remind everyone that the Hop's Brewing Company and Cafe is open and pouring some of the best craft beer in West Michigan. The revamped food menu, which, if anybody down there is listening, I am empty. Now I will take a peach sour, huh. <laughs> <laughs> if anybody down there is listening. Uh, the revamped food menu, rotating taps, wine, and ciders make the hops perfect for whatever they have going on from dinner with the family, late-night drink, drinks with friends, and everything in between. The hops is becoming a staple in the West Michigan restaurant community that we highly recommend to our friends and listeners. And the hops is the official brewery of State of My Sports in 2021. And if you mention State of My Sports, you will get a nice little discount off your first beer. Uh, here we are. We are already talked some some Detroit Red Wings. Very excited about this. The Red Wings finished last year uh, with a nineteen twenty seven and ten record overall, which is a point eight six point per av- point per game, uh, it tr- and translates to huh? seventy point five points in a sixty
2: two or eighty two game schedule. Um, what's up? <laughs> <He> was, <laughs> never mind. Go ahead. I'm just the numbers <laughs> just got to me. I I couldn't follow.
1: <laughs>
3: The numbies? The numbies.
1: <laughs> no, I really didn't lay this out the way I wanted this conversation to go, uh, at least to start. But, I mean.
2: So, last season they took a step forward, right?
1: Last, yeah, last season they took a, a really nice step forward. I thought I had that in here.
2: What, what were they the year before? <laughs> <laughs> last season. Red Wings finished uh, with a 19-27-10 record.
1: Yeah, but I wonder, I'm talking about the year before that. Oh, they were at a p- .55 points per game average. The year before
2: that, but that's that's later on. So 0.55 so. 5 compared to a 0. 0.86, yeah. So they finished
1: second to last in goals for uh 20th in goals against, and that goal differential is actually from last year, not this year. My bad on that. Um, <laughs> the leading scores was Jacob Vrana 19 goals and 36 points. Uh, some of that was with uh, who did we get him from the Washington. Capitals? And then Philip Hronick uh, led the team with 24 assists. Uh, their current odds to win the Cup are plus ten thousand, which is the second worst behind Buffalo, plus eight eight thousand five hundred to win the Atlantic Division, and over under is set at 77 and a half points, which would bring their points per game average to point nine four five. Um, like so I said, last season point eight six, the year prior was a point five five. I think that's that's pretty eye opening. I think that tells you a lot what um, Vegas thinks that this team is going to do. Um, they they made some really good moves, um, and, and they did have some some additions and some tractions that I think are worth bringing up here real quick. Uh, the additions: Pia Suter uh, was from Chicago. He had his rookie year last year with him or with them. Uh, Rowney, I don't know if he actually made this team. Uh, he was over from the Ducks. He might be a Griffin, but Mitchell Stevens. Uh, he played seven games with Tampa. He kind of is going to fill that Glenn Denning role. Nick Letty traded from the Islanders. Very good defenseman one. to bring in right here. A lot younger than I originally thought he was going to be. I, I forget what age he is. I think he's like 32 or something like that. I don't have the numbers here in front of me. But um, he actually is a very good uh, defenseman to to bring in and be that leader. They had also brought back Stahl, which I thought was interesting, just the the veteran presence of, of, on that back end there. Nicoletti is really 30 years old. 30 years old. Wow, even younger than I thought. Uh, and the big one, Alex Nedeljkovic, who was the goaltender. He was traded from Carolina. He was part of the Rookie of the Year talk last year. Very good numbers. Uh, very... Um, uh, it, It'll be interesting to see how he fits with Detroit because with the way Carolina plays is a little different than Detroit where Detroit has to take a lot more chances, I, th- I would say, to, to get that offense, and that could open up to, to make it a little tougher for a guy like uh, Nadalkovich. But they traded, I think it was a third-round pick uh, that we got from a, a previous trade.
3: He was Eiserman from Carolina.
1: It, they brought in a guy that fits the timeline right here, right now. Yeah. And that was a talk for for a long time with this with this organization. Is you didn't have the goalie coming up. Yeah, he's not coming up because he's already there. And he's proven that he can win in the league. I think he was number 2 in the Calder the Calder trophy um voting, but I mean,
2: we also he fits drafted perfect. a goalie, right?
1: Yeah, they they drafted a uh, a goalie. He's
2: he's going back to junior though. It's going to be some years before he, ah, he gets in. but Still, I love that. I love yeah, that, that it, you invested in the future goalie and you got your future goalie. And they're not just saying, like, this is the one option here. They're investing multiple ways.
1: Yeah, no, I, I'm really excited about that. Some some, tra- some blah, 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 subtractions that are worth talking about. Uh, Mantha, obviously, goes trade away midseason. Phil Plug, gone. Glendening, gone. Uh, Bobby Ryan, gone. Juice gone. Helm, gone. Sveshnikov, gone. Nemeth, gone. Nielsen, gone. Marrow, Panic, and Bernier, all gone.
3: Wow. Yeah. Ooh. This is wow. a
1: completely different roster, and you—you you know the saying, "Cutting the fat." That's what Eisenman did.
3: Is Mel Tucker in charge of this he roster? He got
1: rid of. Yeah, this is like transfer portal yes, type, yeah. type thing. This is yeah. this is crazy. And it, look at
2: the the subtractions and additions. It's very clear what the what the goal was here.
1: Yeah, it, and and. It, a lot of the additions were savvy moves, trades, and uh, high level guys, or guys that are, are ready to take that next step or have a chance to. They still fit the mold. You're not overpaying for a guy that's going to come in and be way better than his supporting cast and get frustrated and all that good stuff. You're bringing in a guy or guys that are going to fit what this organization is doing and where they are at right here, right now. Not for the future, not for the past, right here, right now. That's great to see.
3: Which accusation do you think Steve Eiserman That didn't
2: sound right. Accusation or acquisition?
3: Acquisition. Oh, That's I the was, word. That's a much better word. I knew it wasn't right, but word. I didn't know the right word. I got you guys. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, that word. Who do you think Steve Iserman kind of went out on a limb for and may or may not work?
1: I would say like, Stevens. Yeah? That, that's the one that I think that I... Mitchell Stevens? Yeah, Mitchell Stevens. He, he was an uh, Eisenman draft pick. He was in the Tampa Bay organization. Didn't play a whole lot. Um, I think people will get... He, he, he's a poor man's Glenn Denning, from what from what it sounds like. Sure. Uh, Isn't really good at a whole lot, but isn't really bad at a whole lot, but he doesn't have anything like that stands out that, that that I know of I don't know a ton about that I'm, I'm not going to pretend that I do um, but the fact that he wasn't getting playing time in Tampa yeah. and that they didn't want to keep him young beer orders um, beer yes yes,
3: yes. Sour,
1: please. sour please sour please thank you so much You're same <laughs> you didn't see I'm you all didn't all hear set. me you didn't hear my shout out on the you weren't watching at the moment
2: got busy yep yeah. What's that? Like, the best on the yeah, oh boy. We got it. We got it. Thank you, got, with I got to hear with the bears. <laughs> We don't
1: talk about the Bears on this podcast. Let's, Only last week. <laughs> quick, let's talk about the Bears on <laughs> Uh but I yeah, I think the Stevens one is the one that it will be interesting to see how, how it plays sure, out.
2: Sure. Um, the one I'm really excited about is Pia Suter. Yeah, um, how does that happen? How does he oh, go from a rookie to on a new team?
1: Uh, it took him a while to get up to the, the league.
2: As a rookie? Yeah. Okay. Um,
1: he might have been actually uh, – was he undrafted? He might have been undrafted free agent, which changes the the control of, of players as well. And then with um, Taves coming back – and the way that his contract was, was set up, uh, they did they couldn't afford to, to re sign him. I think he probably was a restricted free agent. I'm not positive on that. Um, but it just the the way that their cap is is at, they they didn't have room to make that work. And they also traded for uh Seth Jones and brought in some more high end uh contracts. So he was kind of the odd man out um that I think benefited for benefited for the Red Wings. I really do um but the, the rookie watch, I think, is, is the, the most interesting thing here for the Red Wings. Um, Mo Sider, Lucas Raymond both made the team. The Lucas Raymond one is really interesting. I think the, the injury to Verona really opened the door for him. Uh, Valeno was sent down, though. I am i don't know where to go with, with this. I'm, I'm excited for both of them. Don't get me wrong. Raymond, but disappointed with Valeno? I'm disappointed that Valeno didn't make the team. And I think that's where the Mitchell... I think Mitchell kind of took that spot from him, but also Vlano has that higher upside where he should be getting top 6 minutes in his in his future. If he's coming in and being a fourth line guy, that's not going to work in GR or sorry in Detroit. But if you put him in in GR and getting him top 6 forward minutes, mm. that's when he'll develop.
2: I well, don't think he'll be down very long. I think no. he will be he'll, he'll see, be up here he'll see pretty time. quickly. But um, I'm not, I'm not that worried about it. I, I dove in a little bit here and it sounds to me like he's like the, almost like the sixth man, like the guy that the next to come up. Yeah. And so he's going to be waiting in the wings and there will be an injury here or there that he's going to have to fill some sort of role and he'll get the playing time when it, when it's ready.
1: Sorry, I didn't miss speak. Uh, Carter Rowney, who I don't know anything about, he did make this roster, it looks like. He did not? Or he he did? did, he did. I said he didn't. it uh, looks like he did, but he's not in like the projected starting uh lineup, so he'll probably be that that odd man out I man out
2: I think that. what's cool about this too is that, you know, Steve Eiserman seems to have a knack for these like like Rana, like these kind of guys that are true professionals that have skill level but maybe it hasn't had the opportunity yet. And he's thinking like I've got plenty of opportunity available for these guys yeah. to come in and be real professionals. Let's just say three of them stick. Like that's a pretty good that's a pretty good direction of this team to add with the young talent that they're bringing up through the draft, and it, oh. pretty cool to see because I think it can make a Thank big th- like that's how you build an organization not just through the draft but you also find gold in other people's. Trash, or not even yep. trash, but, but, but just other people's... People that you can't fit. They, that just, they, can't they fit. just can't fit in based on the minutes and, and the opportunity you know allotted to them.
1: Yeah, so I think it's really important to see the, the talent that Eisenman's starting to bring in, the potential talent, talent, I should say. Young guys, still cheap, and, and you're, you're not overpaying and trying to overstep. Kind of like Minnesota did uh, a few years back when they tried to just kind of take that step from the med- like bottom tier to get into the playoffs guaranteed type thing when they signed Suter and
3: Preeze and stuff like that.
1: They over – like, don't get me wrong. I wanted both of them. We were in a better Uh position for those guys to come in and mix in well. They tried to go all in, and it just – they didn't – they weren't able to take that extra step, that massive step. Eisenman's going like, all right, let's take it another step. Let's take it another step and see if we can find these guys that can be part of the big step before we go spend money on the biggest free agents just to make – somebody happy and sell jerseys
3: you know what i mean um i mean exactly what he said when he was introduced as the new gm have patience yeah this is going to take time
1: and he has done an amazing job well i think he has escalated this rebuild quicker than i ever could have imagined with creativity and i i think i think they're ready but i'm glad that we didn't go overboard
2: so I, I listened to Darren McCarty when, when he was going over Bobby Ryan being released. It was before the news that came out um, saying that Lucas Raymond yeah. was on the team. But he was just saying, like, you know, he was disappointed because Bobby Ryan's such a good guy. Yep. You know, the, the city kind of fell in love with him. You know, a lot of the people that are at least invested in the Detroit area, I think there might be a disconnect between Detroit area and West Michigan with Bobby Ryan and the feelings about him. But he was pretty involved in the community it was it was kind of a big deal that he didn't make the team yeah so i i was disappointed with that too honestly w- were you okay i really
1: like bobby ryan um so for the people that don't know who he is he went through some alcohol issues he was out of the league for a little bit
3: went through some rehab i and believe
1: went through rehab and i think i want to say he was like a, was he a top three pick at one point or top four pick in, in, in his draft I, I think uh very high talented guy had some really good years, um, and then he hit rock bottom, and it was rough. And he worked his way back up, and he said he loved it in Detroit. Um, and that was kind of, I think, the fact that he loved it in Detroit was one of the reasons why Detroit fell fell in love with him because yeah. you don't really have that right now in in, in, in for the Red Wings. Um, but but it, I think it was a sign of, of of new things to come for the Red Wings. They didn't just, and and I think is that kind of what you were going to get at with yeah, it was disappointing. But that's actually a good sign that they're not signing the good story. They're not signing the comfortable thing. They're stepping away from the morally right decision to make the right decision for the organization. Yes,
2: exactly. Move the move the franchise in the direction that it needs to go to compete properly. Yep. And, and that and that is moving towards your young talent. That means that Lucas Raymond and these guys are more ready than we think they are. Yep. And and it's in their best interest and. To develop them at, at the nhl level and personally and you know mentally on their game they're they're at the point where this is going to benefit them to be with the wings instead of still somewhere else or in, or in the ihl or whatever like they're 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 ready to make this next step and the wings are ready to invest in them and there will be um uh, oh man how do you even put it there will be like a Oh man, I don't know. I'm trying to say it. it's no. Like, you're, you're it's good. like the damage, like cat- not catastrophic damage, but like uh, collateral damage. There will be collateral damage, okay, where unintended. You know, you're gonna you're gonna have to get rid of these guys who, like you said, are the good story who Detroit might have fallen in love with, but they're not right for the long term rebuild of this of this team yep. so th- exactly like you put it i probably put too many words to it but this is a good sign for the organization to say that we're moving in the right direction and this is one of those building blocks that we need to do
1: we're also one injury away from bringing Bobby Ryan back so I don't want to say too much about that because I I don't think moving on from him was important to the rebuild necessarily but I but I think it, it it looks right for the rebuild. You know what I mean? Like, how do, how do I explain that? The, <laughs> if if, they, if they kept him, it wouldn't have bothered me a whole lot. But the fact that, like, if it was him versus, uh, like, Bobby Ryan versus Lucas Raymond, that's when I'm like, great choice. You made the right one by going Lucas Raymond, letting this guy learn on the job. Now, if it's Mitchell Stevens, Bobby Ryan... I probably would have led, leaned a little bit more towards Bobby Ryan because I know what I get with Bobby Ryan. I know the good – got to have that veteran presence in there, especially for these young guys, and you don't really have that right now where I feel like he could have fit that mold a little bit better. It, kind of take the, the pressure off the Larkins and Bertuzzi's and, and stuff like that and be like, hey, you know what to say. You are the veteran guy. You know what I mean? And that's he, where I think we, we
3: could be missing. And he worked well with the team last year. Yeah, it, it it went as well as it could have.
2: Yep, I'm looking forward to these like getting into these different player. Yeah, yeah. Real, real quick,
1: I didn't want to go over the, like kind of my season goals here. For, for me, it's, it's it's really about development of young players at the NHL level while learning if Blaschel can be the coach uh, when this team is ready to contend. I think Eisman set him up to be like, all right, show me you can coach in this league. Show me you deserve a new contract. Um, that was a. a conversation in the offseason if they were going to bring them back and stuff. Uh, I expect more. I expect to see a more competitive team uh, game in and game out and, and hope that the goalies allow them to, to kind of take more chances and be more aggressive offensively to to not sit back just to protect um, the goals against, if you will. Uh, I need to see guys like Larkin and Bertuzzi and Fabry, you know, are, are more, more than our best players and, and guys in this league that can be true blue NHL players and not just... Role players in this league. I want to see that they can be the best players on the team, and the best players on a good team. That's really important for me. Uh, they'll need guys like Zadina and Suter, Rasmussen, and Raymond to, to be good enough uh, for other teams to keep an eye on to, to kind of open up the game and not just zone in and put your best best guys against the Larkin line. You know what I mean? Um, we gotta have we have better talent from top to bottom. The first two lines are going to be a, a massive step up. Uh, and I like to see the goaltending tandem. I, I think it's a good tandem in the combo of, of veteran veteran and young defenseman will be will be interesting to see. And, and what can we can turn these into at trade deadline? I don't want to get into that yet because I think this team could be ready to make a playoff push. Buyers. Um, I don't want to say buyers. I don't think buyers is the right word unless it's a rental. You know what I mean? Because we have the cap space. Um, but time will tell. I don't want to. I don't want to go one way or the other at this point. This time last year, I was like, "Yeah, we're going to be de- we're going to be dealers, Definitely. and we got to trade this yep. guy. We got to trade that guy, and we got to do this." I'm big, not there big yet. Big difference. Yeah. Big difference right here right now. I um, breakout player. Uh, if you guys don't have one, I- I'll start. Uh, I think it needs to be Larkin. I'm not saying it's going to be Larkin for me. It needs to be Larkin. He needs to take a massive step in becoming a true leader of this team and organization. I don't, I don't think he's done anything to deserve um, the C on his jersey yet. And some people would say he already had his breakout year in 1819 when he had, what, 32 goals, uh, 73 points and stuff like that. So that was a really good year. But that's not top talent in his league year. No. And that's what we need to see from this guy. We need to see that he can be the 30-goal scorer consistently and 100 points.
3: He needs you know to I mean? be the whole package. He needs to take package. another step.
1: And he needs to be a leader. I don't think he's done anything yet to be a leader on this team. And it's more than being the first one on the ice and the last one off the ice. You need to be a leader that people want to follow. People want to be like you on the ice. People want to defend you on the ice. People, whether you deserve support from your teammates, they want to give it to you. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, I think this is a really, really important year for for Larkin. Hopefully his health, um, hopefully that's a thing in the past. Uh, You just – this is a tough one for me. It's more like he has to be the breakout player. I know you could have easily gone young with Lucas Raymond or Cider and stuff like that, but like for me, it for this team to be success successful, it has to be behind Larkin because they put that Sienna's jersey, they put that pressure on him, and it sure as heck better be. Otherwise, it it could be a tough breakup here very soon. High I'm, expectations. I'm
3: looking
2: at this roster and the number of first and second round draft picks that are really big names in the in the Detroit community. I mean, this is like the culmination of a lot of, you know, what we've been waiting for at this yeah. point. Like it, it really there, is. There is way more talent on this team than we've seen in recent years, like Zadina, Rasmussen, Raymond, Cider, Suter. Like, yeah. <laughs> there, there's a lot. Larkin, Bertuzzi, Fabry, and uh, I there's mean... There's some
1: big names there.
2: Yeah, there, there's there's some talent. There's yeah. some real talent there. Um, I, I was gonna say Zadina being the breakout just that's, because it—that's where you guys are. That's that's exactly where you guys are on the same page. Where my mind, I, mean, went. I, I you would actually be proud of me with all the research I've been doing on the, on the <laughs> wings lately. But I think to me, he's—he is has the talent to break out, and he, all he needs around him is supporting cast so nope. that he can—he can do his thing. And and show what he can really do in this league. And if he is an upper echelon type of guy in the NHL, that's going to do wonders for this Detroit team.
1: No, I, I think I think Zadina is a, a perfect breakout player because I uh, and I think you actually nailed it. He does. It, he's not the guy that's going to create his own shot. He's not the guy that's going to go end to end. He's the guy that needs support. He's the guy that needs uh, people pressing with him and. I think he has that now, so it's, it's looking like he's going to be on the line with uh, Fabry and Suter. That, that's a big upgrade from Helm and Glenn yeah. <laughs> like the guys that were on his line in the past, yeah. and that, that, that will benefit him. And I, I would love to see him break out. Uh, don't forget about player. Do you, you guys want to have one that you want to go first? you want me to go? Go ahead. Uh, I was going to say Michael Rasmussen. Uh, I think people have moved on to Sider, Zadina, Raymond. Um, but Rasmussen, he was drafted 22nd overall. Or sorry, ninth overall, and he's only 22 years old. Um, I, I think he's the perfect replacement for Anthony Mantha on the, on this roster with a little more size, and I think a little more skill, little little less strength, power forward feel, but he still has that too. I'm really excited to see what he can do. He's he's projected to be the a third line center, which I wish he was a little bit higher, but with with the guys that we have in front of him, I I get it. Um, but I I think. People are forgetting about him because you have these younger, uh, not even younger, more recent draft picks that people are getting more excited about. And I don't think you can forget about this guy because he's going. That's he's the reason why we can move on from Anthony Mantha. He's the biggest reason out yeah. right there. And I'm not saying that they're the same player by any
2: means, but they're very similar in the way they play. I love it again another first round draft pick. Yeah. Somebody that's coming up through the organization is ready to contribute in in very very young 22 years old like you said. Uh, pretty exciting. I I was going to go with Robbie Fabry, actually yeah, because that's a good one. I just think, you know, the, the impact that he had immediately after the trade when he came in and uh, it was it was noticeable immediately. Yeah. And I think if you again, it, I'm I'm at the point right now where the more these guys are surrounded by the type of talent that can kind of elevate all of their play together, then you're going to see guys like Fabry be able to perform more. He's going to be able to finish instead of being a near miss. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I'm thinking I'm Fabry. I think my rebound Fabry guy. is
1: a is a great one. I actually put him or as my as my rebound player, um, mainly because he did have a rough year last year. He only played in 30 games uh, due to injury. Um, but like you, you kind of said it perfectly. With with he came onto the scene in Detroit very well, and people were excited about him, and he was putting up numbers. And then it kind of fell off. And I think that was a lot about the supporting cast. And right here, we we're so much deeper than we've ever been. At least with the top six forwards, maybe getting to the nine. Um, at least with young one, if we're talking young potential. Um, but yeah, I I think the supporting cast around him will make him a lot better. And I think that the second power play unit is going to be pretty solid with, with Fabry Suter and, and Zadina. I think both of those guys kind of fit that second. I think that could be our, our better, um, power play when, when push comes to shove. So I think that's a really good one. Micah, did you have a, a rebound player? Or do you want
3: to? Yeah, I do. Uh, Tyler Bertuzzi. Yep. Played nine games last year before, uh, back injury. He had back surgery, uh, Years before that, I mean, he played nearly a full season. He had 71 games in uh, the 2019-2020 season, 21 goals, same with the previous year. I, I think Tyler Bertuzzi is a perfect candidate for a rebound player.
1: Yeah, and, and for the people that don't know about the Bertuzzi stuff, he, he did. Um, he's the only Red Wing that uh, said he was not going to get the vaccine. So currently he cannot play in Canada I think he's still allowed to play in, like, the New York and stuff like that, even though, like, basketball players aren't?
2: Visiting. No, it's only visiting uh, – or visiting players are all allowed to play in those states.
1: But not in Canada.
2: Not in Canada. Yeah.
1: Yet. So that – so, okay, so he can go to New York and play. Yes.
2: Only home gotcha. teams in New York would not be able to participate. And that's
1: the same thing as basketball? Yeah. Okay. I didn't realize that. Um, but, yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. Coming off the back story too, it, it's very interesting – um, what kind of season he'll have? I think a rebound. Yeah. He kind of fits that rebound mold, um, for sure. Uh, dark horse, dark horse MVP. Horse. Uh, I put Pia Suter. I think the Red Wings' uh, best offseason signing, coming off his rookie year in Chicago, uh, he fit in really well in Chicago. He learned a lot from some very high-end professionals there, and he he, he fit in. Now, what is he going to do with a little more pressure? What is he going to do with more ice time? With without the you know, playing with a superstar type like Kane and, and and stuff like that will be interesting. But I think he could be uh, a very nice get, and I think he could be the the quiet leader of this team by the end of the year. And I think he's going to lead the the second uh, power play unit. And I, this is the guy that I see ready to take the, the Larkin place. And I'm not saying he's going to be the next captain. I'm saying the do-it-all player, the guy that the team kind of rallies behind. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I don't want... I'm not in the locker room. There's something about Larkin's personality that I don't think fits what they're trying to make him in this league. That's where I'm at with Larkin.
2: Top tier. You don't think he's top tier? He's you, nowhere near top tier. You think he's a second... Center like a second. Um, I think he could be a decent second line guy. You think he's a third line guy? I, on a successful team, yeah, yeah.
1: And I'm not saying that in a bad way. I just there's, I
3: don't know. He doesn't like Larkin. That's a bad question. I don't, like, question. Larkin. I know I don't like Larkin. I know.
1: I'm I know. sorry. I have a really hard time with Larkin, and I don't know why. It's not fair. I do because they
3: haven't won, so you're yeah. like blaming on him. Okay, so. All these reasons of why we're talking Larkin. That's exactly why I put him as dark horse MVP, because he's not like this. He's not your Sidney Crosby of the team where you know he's going to be an absolute stud, or yeah. uh, or Connor McDavid where yeah. you know he's just going to tear I, it up. Yeah. And so he might be though. He's my dark horse MVP. That's fair for all the aforementioned reasons. That's why I'm sitting here with him as my dark horse.
2: Come on, guys. I've got the real dark horse MVP. Can I guess? Yeah, go ahead. Nadalkovich. No. Oh. I, I see the formula you made right there, and it's just not true. Okay. I'm gonna go,
3: I bet Lucas Raymond. Ooh, so close. Hold Dang on.
2: it. Robbie Fabry. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know.
1: Who, who is it?
3: Mo Sider.
2: That would be awesome. I'm thinking, I'm thinking if he, if he is legitimately NHL-ready to to perform the way he has internationally, if he can perform the same way in the NHL, he will make such a difference on this in this defensive core that it'll open up so many opportunities for Eiserman to fill the rest of the gaps because he if he's dependable, I think that puts the rebuild to even another level, and I'm not even talking about wins and losses this year. I'm just thinking if he proves to be the guy on the defensive side this year, that is like MVP stuff for the franchise moving yeah. forward. no,
1: I, I, and he's not going to be Nick Lidstrom. There will never be another Nick Lidstrom. No, he's but he he's is perfect like 2.0. He is like he could be that type of defenseman for this organization. He could. And he's, he, I think what you said perfectly with, with what he's done overseas, if he can bring that here uh, internationally, like if he can bring it to the NHL level, he could be rookie of the year caliber. Um, you got to have a little bit of offensive upside to, to be a rookie of the year as a defenseman. But, but we, don't need, um, we, we just, don't need him to be. Yeah, we, need, we, need we don't need him to need be. We need him to be who yeah.
2: he truly is and perform to that level and not, not put up stats that maybe it's not his strengths at the moment. And, and if he does that within the organization, that'll be MVP type of stuff because it's part of the rebuild.
1: What about under the radar? Anybody stand out to you guys for that? I guess, I mean, it kind of fits that dark horse MVP, which I say every time we do that. Um, but Cider wouldn't be under the radar necessarily. You know what I mean? Like, Is there
3: somebody else that stands out for you guys? Um, to me, I'm going to go with Adam Ernie actually. I I think another he's, guy that
1: I can't get behind. I don't know why. <laughs> I just oh. don't like his face. <laughs> Am I allowed to say that? You can uh, say
2: whatever never, you want. I'll never be a guest on the show now. <laughs> no. Oh. no.
3: no. I, 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 I think Adam Ernie, I, he, he's got a small role, but I think he's that guy. He's got a small you know, what? <laughs> he's on that small role. Oh,
1: small role.
3: <laughs> he's the guy with the <laughs> small role.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah, that guy. This is not going well. That's familiar. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving along. <laughs> so
3: I just, I I think with him on that third line projection, you know, somewhere between the third and fourth line, um, I, I think he's that guy that kind of makes everyone around him better. Like not not from like a a star-studded perspective, but he he's he's kind of got that that workhorse mentality, and he kind of pushes his line mates, his teammates. To be better, so that's what I'm going with. I'm going with he, under he, the radar. A, Adam Ernie. He's
1: a poor man's Brad Marchand. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. Like very, very poor man's Brad Marchand. Like nowhere near like the caliber of Brad, but like that well, something Brad's about a, his face that I don't like.
3: Brad Marchand's the king of being a dick.
2: I feel like Ernie can kind of. Maybe it's
3: just. <laughs> no. I don't know.
2: <laughs> I I uh, I was tempted to go Zadina here. Uh, because I just think he gets lost in the shuffle with all the exciting news with all the young guys too. Yep. Um, but I will actually go with um, under the radar. Well, I don't. I, it's a tie for me between Rasmussen and um, let me. Sorry, I'm I'm and Veleno. Veleno, yeah.
1: You think Valeno could come in and, and be a big part?
2: Well, I do because uh, and, and under the radar because in in the sense that like Lucas Raymond and Sider are getting such big praise right now and they're getting a lot of attention right now and these again there there's this young core is more than just a couple of guys this is a young core that we're talking about six seven eight strong so as a team as a core they're gonna be filling out multiple lines and that is so important to this this franchise moving forward so under the radar yeah i'm gonna go Rasmussen he plays a big part in this franchise moving forward and and also valeno if he comes up and performs you know he can strengthen a third Line. He could strengthen the second line. Like I don't know where he falls in this, but it's important to the franchise.
1: Yeah, I actually went with uh, Vladimir v- Nemesnikov. Nemestnikov, Nemestnikov. Uh, Playing with guys like Rasmussen and Ernie will will help him out a lot. I, I liked the signing last year, but it didn't really translate that well. Um, I think who he was playing with had a lot to do with that, and I think he will benefit a lot from the skilled, younger – aggressive players that he's going to be playing with rather than the,
0: yeah, I don't really want
1: to go in the corner right now. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like, I'm just going to pretend that I'm caring about defense right now so I don't have to push too hard. You know what I mean? I think this team's going to look a lot different. I think they need to be pressing. I think the third line is going to have to um, produce Uh, and with Ernie. Rasmussen and Nemesnikov, I think that could be a very interesting thing. Uh, not to mention he's, he's already been a 20-goal scorer in this league. That's a decent amount of goals for a third-line guy. If he can do that again, this team will be sitting here in the right direction pretty quick because this, this team did – secondary scoring has been a massive issue for this organization for a very, very long time, even through the last couple of good years. Um, and I think the you look at the third line with a guy like Nemesnikov – Ernie who had a good breakout year last year and the young guy like Rasmussen that's a pretty good third line offensively we'll see how it, how it translates because they are supposed to be more of a defensive you know minded line can you still put that pressure and get a third um you know get some pressure and get some offensive opportunities uh, it's a good good way to go. So that, that's who I went with. It'll be interesting to see what, what he can turn into. Um, bleh, I don't know what to do now. I heard
0: that. are all these. If it's craft beer in Michigan sports, we may not be the authority, but we love both like a fat kid loves cake. Hot, hot! This is State of My Sports. Picks.
1: Oh, I already translate. Oh, Pick six. Did Did I we do have that? six picks. Did I transition that already? Man, I'm surprised I was ahead on that one.
2: Nice, Ryan. Can you explain betting hero in 20 seconds? Uh, yeah, I can do my best. So. Bettinghero.com. It is your online guide to all of the different betting platforms in the state of Michigan that are legal and that are online available for you to use. So what they do is they lay out all the promo codes available at the time. They do week-by-week promo codes, so don't worry about trying to get the best one. They're going to give you the best opportunity every single time. Use uh, promo code MIBETS. So go to Bettinghero.com, promo code MIBETS. They will lay out every single betting platform available for you at the time, and the best promo code available for you, so you can win easy money. Please go to bettinghero.com promo code MIbets.
1: Well done, that was well, well done. Um, last week, Micah had a six and one week. He is our leader at twenty four and sixteen what overall. What happened? You're welcome. Kyle and Ryan both went five and two. Ryan, you are twenty two and eighteen. Kyle's 21-19. I went four and three. Along with John, I am who is ahead of me at nineteen and twenty-one overall. I'm having a rough year, sixteen and twenty-four overall. But it's a new week. This is when I go seven and all. So if you guys want to copy my picks, you'll have a good week. Nice pick um, seven. I've we seen are starting, your
3: We're hey, I had a good. <laughs> you did, You had a good week. I had a very good
1: week. <laughs> you you know what I did last week? I got to pause the music for this. This last night. This is what? totally worth bringing up. Do it. All right, so I put, in, I put together a really through, nice parlay. Through bettinghero.com. Through com. Yeah. I got the promo and all that good stuff. Yep, and my um, bets. But <laughs> I've worked my way through it, and uh, on FanDuel, I put together a same game parlay, and it was Marquise Brown for, like, over 45 yards um, and a touchdown. Uh, and then the third one was...
2: Well, you had uh, uh, Lamar Jackson,
1: Lamar throwing. Jackson over two hundred and forty-five yards yep, passing, yep. and then Ravens so he does money like line, Lamar. and then Ravens money. No, I, I can't stand them. That <laughs> I had the Ravens money line. So that was my four-leg parlay. Yeah, um, the first three were pretty much guarantees. At like through the th- through the thick of it, um, when the Ravens were down twenty-two to three, I put money on Ravens again live. To win, so I had two bets on their money line, so I won. So then, when they came back and won, I won so a decent amount of money. So it was, it was really fun.
3: He sounds how many, rich, how many? kind of giggling? A few,
2: <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> good for you, good for you. It well, was really well done. Really fun. Bettinghero.com,
1: promo yeah. code, and my bets. <laughs> <laughs> I cashed out, and I'm calling it a career. <laughs> 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 Anyways, we're starting on our Thursday night football. Uh, we got Tampa Bay at the Eagles, who are plus seven. Um, Kyle and John are not here, so I will tell you guys their picks. They're taking both. They're both taking Tampa Bay. Micah, you're leading the way, so you go first.
3: Tampa. They're
2: taking both Tampa and the Eagles. Uh, did I say that? No. no. no oh. just, I was <laughs> mocking the way you said it. I, I know. I got. I got through <laughs> though. That's yeah. all that matters. All right. I'm gonna also take bucks. I am, too. It just doesn't make sense. Nope, it doesn't.
1: Like, (laughs) Eagles aren't there yet. No. Um, Next, we are Chargers at the Ravens. Ravens are a a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Kyle's taking the Chargers. John's
2: taking the Ravens. Mike, what about
1: you?
3: Chargers.
2: Ryan. This feels like a trap, like the Chargers are the obvious choice here. Ravens might just come out and, like, blow them out of the water, and it's going to be one of those weird games, but sorry. This is sorry. when you take the Chargers, right? I'm going to take the Chargers. I knew <laughs> you were going to do that. Uh. I knew it. I'm taking the
1: Chargers as well. I don't think the Ravens are that good. I really don't. Because <laughs> they have a MVP
2: quarterback. I just don't think they're that Anyways.
1: good. Anyways. Anyways, uh, moving down to the Cardinals at the Browns. The Browns are two and a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Look at that. Kyle's taking the Cardinals. John is taking the Browns. Micah.
3: I am gonna go with the Browns. Oh
0: my gosh.
2: Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Browns as well. Cardinals are good. This is a tough game, man. This is a yeah. tough one to call. Home with the Browns. See? And they're, they're, that defense and the defensive front. If there's a quarterback to tear him apart, it's gonna be Calum Murray. So I don't know.
1: Yeah, this is the game that I feel like the Cardinals show their true colors, and the Browns show their true colors. You know what I mean? Like the Browns haven't been playing that great. They haven't been. No, but they win. But they won. But they lost last week, didn't they? Did they to the Chargers? Oh yeah, they got blown out. Uh, Oh man, no, it was high scoring. Well, high scoring, yeah. Yeah, it was. I'm just thinking the defense. Yeah. Um, I think this is the one that the water is going to find its level on both these teams, and I think the Browns are going to win this game by double digits personally. So just take, take it or leave it. Uh, Moving down to the Bengals at the Lions. Kyle and John are both taking the Bengals. Mike, what about you?
3: I'm going to go with the Bengals.
2: Ryan. I don't think it's smart taking the Lions at this point, so I will go Bengals. Um, it hurts me to say that because I – they're, they're competing every game. But I think Joe Burrow's underrated at this point.
1: Rope from Got rushed to the hospital. I'm taking the Lions. Plus three and a half.
2: Might as well.
3: You didn't take him last week, did you? Uh, no. I did.
2: I know. That was my one loss against you. I didn't <laughs> take the Lions.
1: So we got some college games. We got OK State at... Or number 12, OK State. At number 25, Texas. Texas is a four-and-a-half-point favorite. Kyle and John are both taking Texas.
3: Mike, what about you? Oklahoma State.
1: Ryan.
2: Texas. Bounce back.
1: Yeah, I think they're going to be ready to play. They're very, very angry how that game ended last week against Oklahoma. It felt like they earned something they didn't get to win. Yep. I think Texas is going to bounce back and, and win this game. Uh, four and a half is, is a pretty big number, but I'm going to take Texas. Uh, we got number 11, Kentucky at number one, Georgia, minus 23 and a half. How is that? Anyways, Kyle is taking Kentucky. John is taking Georgia. My God.
3: Kentucky.
2: Ryan. I'm taking Georgia. That defense is going to dominate, and they're going to score just enough points to cover.
1: I think Kentucky is going to have a backdoor cover on this one.
2: I'm going Kentucky.
1: We're moving down to our Sparty Party Pick of the Week, which you guys know. Sparty Party is one of the best IPAs out there. I love they're doing an IPA with Madar- Mandarina Bavaria and Amarillo Hops. This is a big lake, special big lake brewing. 7% alcohol by volume, 53 IBUs. It's a perfect mix of flavor and bitterness, I think. This is a really, really good IPA. Um, Check that one out and drink it during your your party. Sparty party game of the week at Indiana. Indiana is a a four-and-a-half point dog. Kyle and John are both taking MSU. Michael, what about you?
3: Anyone that that bets against MSU this week is going to regret it.
2: This sure, just, uh, it, it just seems give like me an easy pick. Yeah. it
1: seems like the, the money
2: line to bet on this week. I do not understand this. I this actually, how was it, it not bigger? Bet on this right now. Yeah, just to not lose honestly, out on if this.
1: it's still at four and a half, I would recommend going out there and, and betting on it because yeah. that spread does not make sense, especially with Penix out. No, nope. I mean I don't think they've officially ruled him out yet, but he will be out. He's not playing, so this is one that four and a half. It feels like the
2: easiest bet in of the week. I just bought a new uh, mountain bike. I got to pay back somehow. <laughs> Sparty party. Hey. Sparty
1: party. Um, obviously, there is no Michigan game this week. Uh, they are, what, number nine now? Or no, what are they rank now? Number eight. Number eight now. Eight. They are number eight. I did want to give a quick shout-out to our Hazen Blue. It's a crushable New England IPA featuring citra and mosaic hops included with real blueberries, 5.5% alcohol, and 20 IBUs, very, very good beer and perfect for your Michigan games, right? We were sipping on that Perfection. at my house on Saturday.
3: While I was hiding behind a chair. You were behind a chair. Definitely. Um,
1: that chair was not happy you were behind it.
3: Adam. Oh, no.
1: But it is what it is. Um, but that gives us a chance to jump into our... It is time to grade our Michigan beers for this episode, but before we do, I want to once again remind everyone of that. our partner, Siciliano's Market. They're simply the best beer store in West Michigan, located on Lake Michigan Drive, right between Grand Valley State University's main campus and downtown Grand Rapids. Wherever you live in West Michigan, it is worth the short drive for what they have to offer. Whether you know what you want or you need some help from their expert staff, Siciliano's Market is the best place for that. And not only have a massive and up-to-date inventory of the best craft beers from across our great nation, they're individually priced so you can mix and match to build your own six-pack. Along with their... A great selection of craft beer. They have specialty wines, spirits, ciders, coffee, tea, tobacco, and cigars. They also have the largest selection of homebrew and wine making supplies in West Michigan. We love that Siciliano's Market is part of the state of my sports family and is who we visit to help us choose our Michigan beers for each and every episode. So please check them out and let them know that we sent you. Micah, can you remind everybody what we're drinking?
3: Absolutely. From De Hops, obviously, we're drinking the Peachy Mixed Sour, 5% kettle sour brewed with fresh peach puree it's a fruity peachy aroma with moderate tart finish and it's refreshing for summer fall winter and every other season in between
2: oh geez all of them sam what did you think about that oh you know what i don't think we're gonna get an answer Ah. right now it was so refreshing he had to go refresh
3: oh 100 (laughs) what'd you Um, think though no this this beer is delicious it's a great sour. It's well balanced. There's there's the, the the peach flavor. You still get the beer flavor on the back end. Like I said before, I mean there's there's really not this insane description about the beer, and I like that because it's it's not overpowering with a with a hundred different things in there. It's it's very it's a very basic sour, but it's a really really good sour. It's easy to drink. Um, I'm gonna. Score. I'm going to give it an
2: 8.2. Ooh.
3: Solid I l- score. I like this beer.
1: Real quick, Carrie uh, is drinking from Oddside their mango seltzer, uh, even though they aren't the ones I thought I bought. 8.4. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's, hey, that's an interesting solid. story. <laughs> outside has good seltzers. They do. I think Outside has some of the best uh, craft beer seltzers, but you gave it an
3: 8.2. 8.2. I like it.
2: What do you that's, think? I think it's a good score. What do you think? I I think it's an
3: 8-4. Wow.
2: He was pumped about that beer from the very beginning. I just
3: got outgraded. Outgraded. <laughs> that doesn't happen often. Well,
1: he went second. Getting <laughs> cocky now with your, your school? Do you, do you have yeah. any uh, fellow classmates that, that huh? listen to the podcast? Any <laughs> classmates? Your Monday night class that you don't go to half oh. the time? No. You I said you out, I, you don't out, get outgraded. <laughs>
3: Yeah, are so you are going to get an A? Do they get or? better grades than you? Do you get better grades <laughs> I, than all of the people in your classes out tell there? You. Is that what we're talking about? Uh, I don't know.
1: Calling out your, your fellow classmates? Yeah, oh, for
3: sure. You anybody know?
2: anybody better that, at electricity
3: than you? Oh, probably all of my <laughs> classmates <laughs> because I actually do electrical things. <laughs>
2: <laughs> all right, Ryan, what are you drinking? I am drinking the Flight 6041. It's 5%. 5%. This was uh, brewed in honor of DeHop's first daughter, Lauren for her wedding day. Uh, This is a German wheat beer with subtle hints of spice and clove blended with just the right amount of natural blood orange puree for light, crisp, refreshing brew. Um, Man, just a solid beer overall. I would say the flavor is definitely there. It's a great um, mix of just like a refreshing, crisp, clean beer to drink. It's not going to be overburdened or or heavy in any kind of way, Uh, but it's not – lacking on the flavor and if you look at the the color you would really never guess that it's a five percent like 5.0 you you guess more in like the sixes probably because of uh all the the flavor and and the the i guess the just the overall color and the tone of the the beer itself
3: so, so it's yeah. crushable
2: oh yeah absolutely yeah i could have gone at least one more i just tried to you know stop early but um i'm gonna go with an 8.1 all right Really solid beer. Um, I will order this again coming back to the hop, so pretty pumped about Sweet. it. Sweet.
3: Excellent.
1: Man, episode 126 just cruised right by. I think we did good on time. Yeah, yeah 153. Hold yeah, well done. Yeah, but we got to cut the beginning out, oh, which right. is like yeah. two minutes. So two minutes. Actually, like 150.
2: We, yeah, it's basically like an
1: hour. Yeah. I mean, you might as well just listen to it like it's... No, I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah, it was fun, though. (laughs) Anyways, it was fun. Thank you, guys. Good talk. Yeah, thank you guys for recording. Thank you to the Hops for for being hospitable once again, as always. Um, Thank you all for listening, getting involved live. Uh, Thank you for listening, after the fact. Let us know you're out there. Talk to you next week, if not sooner.
0: Peace. You've been listening to State of My Sports. From the Red Wings to the Lions to the Tigers to the Pistons to Michigan and Michigan State and everything in between, we're talking about it. And don't forget the beer. We hope you enjoyed the show. Make sure to like, rate, and review. In the meantime, hook up with us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch at State of My Sports with an M-I. We'll see you next time.